the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. and years here with your questions when you called into the radio program. And we're going to start off right off the bat here with a phone call from Bill. Bill is calling us from Fairfax. I have a question about renting versus buying. I'm an older guy. I'm 57. I've just retired from the federal government after living overseas for 26 years. And during that time, we didn't have any housing costs, but we saved our money. So we have a substantial cash position. But the intent of which was to buy a house eventually. But we're only going to be in this area probably another, I don't know, six to ten years. And so our family size is changing. Our daughter has just gone off to college. Our son is getting ready to go to college next year. And I don't need to tap into that housing money that I've saved to send the kids to college. That's taken care of. But I'm just not entirely sure whether I should rent or Bye. We're running right now while we make this decision and get settled. Bill, all the reasons that you just listed out are reasons to continue to rent and reasons to buy. I had this conversation, actually, coincidentally enough, with a client of mine earlier this week. She's wanting to sell and then rent. She's a little bit older than you, but that's what she's wanting to do. So the risk on buying now in this area, as you say, and wanting to move out six to ten years from now is that the real estate values will go down or that the money you've pumped into this house, you won't get back out. That's the real risk that you're wrestling around with. On the other hand, what happens if the values go up? So it really depends on what we would call the opportunity cost of what you're going to be doing with your dollars. Right now, yes, you are throwing away rental income, And you have no tax deduction associated with that. But you're also not paying anybody interest either, right? You also don't have to deal with property taxes. You also don't have to deal with all the maintenance cost of a rental type of a property. But yet at the same time, if your investments are growing, 
You know, think about this. Let's suppose you're going to put down money on a house, okay, and the property value doesn't go up before you sell it. Versus now, if you would have rented, you would have had more money in the marketplace growing for yourself at compound interest, right? Or if you put money into the house and the house goes down, what happens if you put money into the house and the house goes up? out of the room it really does because you have mortgages tied to it car loans student loans um, you know credit card uh, balances credit card uh, interest rates all that kind of stuff is wrapped around the axle of the 10-year note and when it gets above four it really hampers and slows down the velocity of money slows down the economy economic action uh, activity and and all different things like that so um, keep an eye on that uh, another another little thing that we also need to start keeping an eye on here is uh, uh, the banking sector, taking a look at commercial real estate. More news coming out about that. Uh, people are having to refinance properties, you know, commercial properties and things of that nature, going from very low rates to very high rates. So we need to keep an eye on that sector there. But you know, at the same time. Banks are able. Banks are doing uh, do, doing okay. You know, uh, they're very solid, very strong. So, so you know, just just that kind of stuff. Now, on the positive side of news, right? Corporate earnings are still coming in stronger than anticipated. Wages are still staying staying up. They are starting to soften a little, which is what the Fed wants from an inflation fighting standpoint. And we are seeing a broader recovery as far as. More stocks are starting to gain momentum. We're getting a broader width, if you will, bigger breadth of the overall stock market is starting to to produce returns. So, so that bodes well for for the, the markets and the economy. So, you know, stay diversified. Keep buying. Keep buying for sure. You know, I was I was crunching some numbers this week to see exactly how far off we are of market highs. And, you know, we've got a ways to go uh, to get back to all-time market highs. And it looks like, uh, you know, the, the market has always done that. You know, so the question is, why would you leave it, right? That is the big question from that standpoint. And we're seeing more and more stuff in the financial press about get in and get out and get in and get out. Oh, and boy. that's just not the right yeah. thing to do. You, you really hurt yourself a lot when it, when it comes to that. Find quality buy it and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change. You're a big dollar cost averaging person in that in that way as well. Sure, why would you not dollar cost average over time yeah. you're going to get the average price of the investment for sure, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 you need, you need to really do that. Uh, you know, it's just one of the secrets that the wealthy know, just keep on putting it in, you know, just keep on payroll deducting into your retirement plans. Keep on doing that. Take a look at your tax balance. How much money do you have pre-tax that's never been taxed before versus post-tax on the Roth side to get tax-free income and Roth IRAs? We're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. So, hey, but before we take our first break this morning, again, let's keep the phone lines open at 855-ROSE-123. Go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. In a couple of weeks on Wednesday, September 20th, we're going to be having a very special webinar, okay? And it's going to be on unnecessary taxes that erode your estate away. Those of you that are following and watching on YouTube on LarryRosenthal.tv, you can click the QR code right there. It'll take you right to the registration page. So here's the deal on this webinar. There's no cost for it. And we will have people from all over the country on it. So feel free to join. There's two sessions from noon to 1 
and then from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time are both both sessions. Both sessions will be live. You'll have the opportunity to ask live questions during the webinar, and uh, it's going to last about an hour or so. So we're going to be sort of going through some unnecessary, well, we're going to basically expose mistakes that people make in paying unnecessary and in some cases excessive taxes uh, with, with, with no need just by understanding some of the rules, beneficiary forms, trust work, things like that. So we're going to break it down for you. So so check it out. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Click on the events button right there, and you'll see the two webinars there. So we're going to keep those phone lines open. Give us a call here this Saturday morning at 855-ROSE-123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions on the market, the economy, mortgages, real estate, taxes, insurance, whatever's on your mind today. 855-ROSE-123. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Call right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. It's the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. The time for Larry Rosenthal there in live broadcast color on YouTube in front of you. If you're watching YouTube and or if you're listening, thank you for listening as well. Oh, yeah, look at the top of your corner if you're watching on uh, on LarryRosenthal.tv or YouTube. There is a QR code to register, Larry. Sure, absolutely, Chris. I, I like that new, new, new thing. But anyway, um, so... You know, I wanted to talk today about a few things from a financial planning standpoint. And some of this stuff we'll be going over in the webinar coming up in a couple of weeks. And you, you, you take a look at the importance of doing beneficiary audits, something very, very simple. This is something that people need to be doing 
Chris, uh, they, they need to be doing this once every year or two, pretty much. And and the reason why is this: <clears throat> this year, on all of our reviews, we've been going through with clients and saying, "Hey, we're going to do a beneficiary audit for you." And here's your beneficiaries, and they'll go, "Oh, I'm fine. It doesn't matter." <laughs> well, guess what? Oops. You know, yeah. sometimes beneficiaries move, and you want to update the address. Okay. Sometimes people will go, oh, you know what? We had another grandchild. Mm. Or so-and-so just got engaged and married, right? Or, oh, you know what? There was a divorce or or something like that, right? Okay. Um, and hey, I've heard too many horror stories about the, <coughs> you know, the money all going to the ex-wife unintentionally. So, yeah. All kinds of, of bad stories out there. But, but, but check this out, though, too. Just because you have your information in your mind correct on what you want to do, remember the custodian, the people that are housing the money, they have software updates from time to time. <coughs> and sometimes things get messed up. Not saying it happens all the time, but we have caught that in the past where XYZ firm, you know, mutual fund company or wherever it is, <coughs> messes up their software, messes up some beneficiary forms. So it's important to really make sure that you are stay you stay on top of beneficiary designation forms. And the reason why is this. Think about when someone passes, that beneficiary form is the highest form in the land. It's over top of a will, a trust. Supreme, Supreme Court says nothing trumps the beneficiary form, right? So that's going to act first for everything, all right? And, and <clears throat> another s scenario here is this, is... When you go through life, you know, the roadmap of life over time, you do your family formation, you're married, you have kids, kids grow up, get married, have grandkids, right? People then need to start talking about bloodline protection. Is it important for you to make sure that the assets you've built all of your life stay in your own bloodline, or does it not matter to you? There's no right or wrong answer to that. It's whatever matters to you. So so now you're talking about, you know, how far down the lineage does a beneficiary form actually travel? Do you need to incorporate a trust? And now you have to take a look at the different types of money you have. And let's just keep it very simple here this morning. There's two buckets of money that I want to discuss on this non-IRA assets, and IRA assets, okay? And underneath IRA assets, you have pre-tax money, and then you have Roth IRAs. So, so on the pre-tax IRAs, where does that money come from? It comes from contributions for yourself over the years on a pre-tax basis, or it comes from your retirement plans, defined contribution plans, cash balance plans, 401Ks, the government TSP, 403B plans, KEO plans, SEP plans, all these type of pre-retirement, or I'm sorry, pre-tax contribution plans. That, that they're called qualified money, okay? It, the money's qualified. In other words, you've never paid taxes on it. So think about this. <clears throat> when that money, how does that money come out? It comes out only three times in your life. One, when you run out of other types of money and you need to start taking that taxable money out. Two, when you hit retirement, I'm sorry, when you hit required minimum distribution age, which now is 73, you have to start taking required minimum distributions out. And then the third third time it comes out is when you pass, right? So those are the only three times in life that that money really comes out of those types of accounts. So there's the new rule with the Secure Act 2.0, and this is going to be part of what we're going to be going over in the webinar. 
because people need to understand this. People need to understand that there are excessive, unnecessary taxes built into this legislation, okay? And here, here's a case in point on, on, on how this could play out. If you're 72 or younger today, this is the rule in 2024. Now, it changes in a, in a, handful, of rule, in a handful of years down the road. But if you're 72 and under today, have IRA money that's never been taxed, and you pass away, your beneficiary providing they're an eligible, they're a designated eligible beneficiary, okay, they have to pull the money out within 10 years. Now, if you're 73 or older and you're already at your required beginning date, in other words, your required minimum distribution date, then your beneficiary has to continue taking the distributions each of the 10 years and then pull all the money out, or they could pull it all out at once. My point is this, as a result of this legislation, there's some immediate taxation that can come. And then if you, a lot of people will put, put the beneficiary of their IRAs pointed toward a trust. And if the trust qualifies as a conduit trust, in other words, a pass-through trust, the taxes go to the beneficiaries. If the, if the trust captures and holds on to some of that money, then it's taxed at trust rates, which are higher, substantially higher than individual tax rates. So you have to understand how to pass through this sort of, or sort of how to navigate through the taxation under the new Secure Act rules. And we're going to be going over parts of this. And this, this, guess what? This affects everybody who has IRA money, 401k money, government TSP money. It affects everybody from that standpoint. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Jill on the line from New Jersey. Good morning, Jill. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Enjoy your show. Thank you. How can I help you today? money that I want to start investing from selling a house. It's around $120,000. And um, I'm not sure how much I should start uh, investing. I have a financial planner. Um, I know I can add to it as far as starting my, my uh, portfolio. Um, I have about, uh, I'm thinking around 100000 which leaves me like 24000 of the house money left as well as maybe eight or 9000 in savings and maybe five or 6000 in my checking. I'm kind of semi-retired. I do have a small pension coming in. I just don't know, and I know I can add to it. I don't know if I should do the whole, you know, the 100000 or start out with 70000 75000 We want to grow um, the money, of course, for retirement, so it's all going for that. So, Jill, so for first question is, you sold this house. Was it a rental property? Have you paid tax on this money? Is this the after-tax portion or, or what? Uh, yes, yes. We sold the house a couple of years ago. Okay, so then here's, here's kind of the way that I would outline this is first thing that I would do is just let's take a look at the – let's draw a line in the sand and see what you're on pace for as far as retirement goes. You said you're semi-retired. Let's build out a cash flow plan. Won't take long at all, and point it down the road and say, okay, you know, at such and such an age when you finally do stop working, how much income will you have coming in versus your monthly expenses? That's going to tell us how we need to invest this hundred thousand dollars, okay? Because now right. we have something to aim for. Like if you if you say, hey, my my expenses are seven thousand a month. 
and I have 4000 a month from two Social Securities and my pension, we've got to, we've got to cover that gap of three grand. So how do these investments produce that right there? Then the second thing we need to do is take a look at all your other investments that you have right now and make sure they're aiming at that particular point in time. How, what's the game plan on those dollars right there to get you to that point? So that's the way that I would go about doing it. Now, with where the markets are today and with the, what's going on in the economy today, then the question becomes, okay, if we have to implement this 100000 or roughly whatever it is into the markets, what's the best way to do that? Do we just throw it all in right now, or do we just say, you know what, let's park some of it in some T-bills at, you know, 5-plus percent or whatever it might be today, and then do we just pull a little bit out of those each month and dollar-cost average into the markets? Because the markets, we don't have the all-clear flag just yet, you know what I mean? So, right. so we, we expect to see some volatility. So that's what I would do is I would bank part of this in some T-bills. And then each month, I would periodically move some money out. We have a lot of clients right now that we've done that with where, you know, just two days ago when the markets were really down a lot, we went in and started making some buys. So, so that, that's the way that I would implement this money right there because, you know, we're just, you know, are we going to have a recession? Are we not? Uh, where, where's the market going? The, in, in this time right now, that's the way that I would suggest doing that. And if you like, I'll be happy to send you out our, our financial planning toolkit, and that will help draw the line in the sand and take a look at the retirement plan for you. We'll have one of our advisors follow up with you and show you how that would work and build you out like a cash flow plan. And then once we see what we're shooting for and how much income it needs to be uh, from de uh, delivered to you from this money, then we can make the appropriate investments for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how much I should, you know, uh, you know, put a whole hundred thousand in, or maybe do seventy-five, and then again, you know, as I feel more comfortable, I can add to it. You exactly, know, and that's the purpose. Portfolio. Yeah, that would be the purpose of building out this cash flow retirement plan is to see how much of it you have to implement and at what rate of return do you have to obtain in order to accomplish your goals. So we have to really build right. the, the, the blueprint of it first, which is what that plan is, and then it will be very, very easy to find the appropriate investments for you. Joe, let, let, me, let me go ahead and place you on a quick hold. Bob will get your contact information. We'll have someone give you a follow-up and step you through that for you next week, okay? Yes, thank you very much. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's bring Robert on from Alabama. Good morning, Robert. How are you today? Good morning. Okay. How can I help you, sir? Well, I have a friend who's a veteran, but uh, um, he'd like me to be a executor of his will and also end up with all of his assets, which isn't a whole lot. He has a small life insurance policy, a motorhome, and and uh, he owns a newer vehicle that's not paid off yet. But uh, he doesn't want to fill out a, 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 he doesn't want to fill out any paperwork or anything. He doesn't believe in lawyers. He just wants to sign a piece of paper and notarize it and say, you know, say I'm the executor and end up with all those assets, whatever. What kind of problems is that going to be for me when I've tried to execute all this? Well, everything is going to end up going through probate then. So I see you're calling from Alabama. Is your friend, uh, is that's where he lives in Alabama? No, he, he and I both live in Florida. 
Okay, then what I would do is in the county that you live in, in Florida, is I would ask the probate court what would be the best way to go about doing this if he doesn't want to do anything through attorneys and stuff like that. Uh, because you, there you're going to have to follow the rules of probate down, down in Florida where you live. That's the best way that I would go about doing it, okay? But if you're the sole beneficiary and the executor, your, your function then is basically to just, you know, retire the estate one day when he passes and to clean it all up, satisfy all the bills, and then once they're all satisfied, then you just distribute the, the remaining assets to yourself. Uh, you know, but by by not having things named as beneficiaries and stuff like that, it could be subject to probate, which means additional costs, time delays, court costs, attorney's fees possibly. So, you know, it's not hard to, to you know, if to, to add your name to a checking account or make the checking account what's called POD, payable on death. So that avoids probate. It makes it easier for you, okay? So in order for me to really answer how you should title things and, and put beneficiaries on there, I would need to get an inventory, a listing of all of your friends' assets, and then I can sort of help guide the, the discussion as to how to title things or add a beneficiary. And it's just going to make it easier for you, basically, is what it's going to do. Because as the executor, you're responsible to, to, you know, to, to close out the estate. And if you want, I, I actually have some – I actually have a kit on the basics of estate planning that explains all of that. If you want, I'll be happy to send it out to you. Sure, that'd be good. But um, the only question I had was uh, what about tax uh, – would, would I have to pay tax on everything that I receive? So it depends on the origin of the, of the assets, okay? Uh, you know, like if, if you receive a house, let's suppose he purchased the house at, at $300,000 and he passes at $500,000, and your name is not on the house as an owner, you receive a stepped-up basis in value. So you could sell it at five hundred, assuming there's no mortgage on it, okay? And, and, but if the house doesn't have a means to transfer to you through, the, through a beneficiary form or a trust – then that house may go through the probate process in, in Florida, which would be court costs, time delays, and things like that. Okay? So, so think about it like this, Robert. Every asset that you own, every asset that anybody owns, it's titled one of 12 different ways. Those are, we, we can title assets in this country 12 different ways. So depending on how you title that asset, is is going to depend on the taxation while you own it and then when it comes out at the other end either by selling it or by passing it on to somebody so i need to see how assets are owned and titled and then i can guide you and direct you on that kind of stuff if there's an ira account then yeah you'll have to pay taxes on the distribution of that because that money's never been taxed before unless it's a roth ira then it's tax-free but there's certain rules of taxation sure. with that if he's under 72 or over 7 or, or 73 or over right now. So again, depending on the title of it all is 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 really the answer to your question. Okay. So listen, I'll put you on hold and I'll send you out the basics of estate planning kit. It explains a lot of this stuff, and we'll have one of our advisors give you a courtesy call next week. And then you can sort of explain, you know, how things are titled and, and sort of go down the road from there, and we'll be happy to help you, okay? Okay, great. Thank you.
Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Hey, don't forget to go check out my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and check and hit on the uh, uh, events tab in the top right-hand corner. We're going to be having a very special webinar coming up on Wednesday, September 20th. There's two times, 12 to 1 Eastern and then 6 to 7 Eastern. You'll have the opportunities of going to be live webinars that I'll be doing. You'll have the opportunity to answer questions live in the webinar. It's about an hour long or so. Uh, those of you that are watching on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube, click the UR or the yes, the UR code or see mm-hmm. it. Scan the UR. Just scan the QR code. Is what QR. You're that's it. I kept yeah, saying scan, UR code. Scan, scan the QR code. QR code. Yeah. Go ahead and scan. It'll take you right to the registration page. But again, this this webinar is is. Uh, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about unnecessary taxes, and and part of it is based off this last phone call right there. You know, you have somebody here who just says, you know, hey, look, we're we're you know want to make sure things are set up, but I don't really want to do anything. Okay, well, with the stroke of a pen, you can minimize taxes in certain assets depending on how you own them. And that's part of what we're going to be going over on this webinar. And and I'm telling you, just, there's just so many times that we just see people paying unnecessary taxes for it. So go check it out, LarryRosenthal.com, and go ahead and register for our upcoming webinar on September 20th, Wednesday, September 20th. You can take both classes if you want. It'll be the same material. They're both live, or just sign up for one of them. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll keep the phone lines open. It's Saturday morning. We invite all questions on on Open Mic Saturday, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. And welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a call at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Let's talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio with us today. Larry. So we were talking about, before the break here, we were, we were talking about when IRA money falls toward a beneficiary but goes through a trust, okay, and and this is where people get very confused about it. The trust is either going to be a 
pass-through trust where all money that goes into it passes through to the beneficiary, or the money can be an accumulation trust where the money where the money goes into the trust and for whatever reason the trust holds part of that money. So if the money goes and passes through to the beneficiary, then the the money that's coming from the uh, pre-tax IRA is going to be taxed at the beneficiary's rates, ordinary income taxes. But if the money's held inside of the trust, it's deemed an accumulation trust, and now it's going to be taxed at trust rates, which are much, much higher. At 12000 and some dollars, you go all the way up to the 37% tax bracket where it takes an individual over $500,000 to get to. So when you're doing the estate planning conversation and you determine that you need to put IRA money into a trust and control those distributions for your heir, you're simply saying, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you're simply saying, I'm willing for my heirs to get less money because of trust taxes, but now I feel confident that they're not going to hurt themselves because I can control the distributions to a certain point because of the 10-year stretch rule that we now have, okay? But, but so, so these are choices that you make in the financial planning session with the estate attorney, the financial advisor, and things of that nature. And this is where people get very, very confused on, on, on how this works. Part of the problem is is that trusts that were created prior to 2019 when the SECURE Act 1.0 came out, they didn't have language in them that works with the new rule now. And this is where people are needing to review these because there are unnecessary scenarios uh, happening inside these trust accounts now um, that people are starting to find out. So we want to bring this to the forefront and let everybody know about this. Let's bring Diane on from Missouri. Good morning, Diane. How are you today? Good morning. I'm wonderful. Thank you. How can I help you? Can you hear me? Yes. How can I help you today? Okay. Great. Um, my son who lives in California inherited a home from his grandparents. It has been, they who are deceased, of course, it has been put in his name. He is now intending to sell the house, and I'm wondering if he will have to pay capital gains on it, and if so, what will the, be the basis of the capital gains, the amount that it was worth when he inherited it, or how will that work? So, Diane, we have to be very careful here on how he inherited it, okay? If the house okay. was named in the grandparent's name and he was the beneficiary through either a TOD transfer or a trust or a will, then he inherits it, and his cost basis is the value the day they passed away. But if he inherited okay. it because they added his name to it when he when they were alive, then his cost basis is their cost basis. Okay. Okay. So it was done through a trust. Then he then his capital gain exposure is based off the date he they passed to the date he sells it. So he receives the stepped-up basis in value. So let's pretend here. Let's just run some numbers. Let's pretend that the grandparents bought the house for five hundred thousand dollars, and when they passed, it was worth eight hundred thousand dollars. He receives the house through a trust, and today it's worth nine hundred thousand dollars. Then his capital gain exposure would be from the eight hundred thousand to the nine hundred thousand. 
Okay. Okay. Yep, that's okay. the way that and works. And if he has done improvements on it, if I'm not mistaken, he can, the, the expense that he has had in making improvements to the property can be deducted from that. Yes, it's added to his basis. Gain? Yep, it's added to his basis, which would lower his capital gains. That's correct. Now, did he turn it into a rental property? Did he depreciate any of it? No, he's lived. he has lived in it. Okay, well, hold on a second here. If he's lived in it two of the last five years, then it can be considered his primary residence. And is he married or single? Single. Then he can sell it if he's lived in it two of the last five years, and he can he receive has. up to $250,000 tax-free in capital gains. Wow. Yeah, awesome. so now the story goes on even more, okay? So... How long has he lived in it? Uh, I believe he first moved in there. His grandmother was still alive then in 2018. She passed in 2019. So he's been there certainly two of the past five years. Has he received ownership in 2019 through the trust as a beneficiary? He received ownership, he received ownership I believe, in, hmm, good question, I would say 2020 or 2021. Yeah, so let's take a look at this, and maybe he ends up staying a few more months. You know, it might save him some money on capital gains. But that's really what you okay. need to do. Yep, I can get all this information to you so that you can uh, send it over to him if you like, okay? Great. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Yep, let me put you on a quick hold, Diane, and Bob will get your contact information. We'll have somebody get it out to you next week. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Carlene on the line from California. Good morning, Carlene. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. The previous caller just kind of answered my question in a way. We have a home here in California that we bought over 20 years ago, so for a great price then. And we're thinking what we need to do. Um, to leave it to our daughter and grandchild and granddaughter. So that pretty much says the best way, the way I understand what you said, is to get their names on it. No, not correct? put their names on it. No, no. If you put their oh. names on it while you're still alive, if you're by, so we have to be careful with the vocabulary here. If you by you saying put their names on it, that tells me you want them to be joint owners. So how what if they become if they become if, yeah so so if they become a joint owner, then they assume your cost basis. So 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 let's just assume you bought the house for two hundred thousand dollars, and today it's worth five hundred thousand dollars. Just to do math easy, and you say I want this to go to my daughter, so it's in your name now, and you add your daughter's name as co-owner, and then you pass. She gets the house immediately, which is what your goal is. But from a tax standpoint, her cost basis is now two hundred thousand dollars. If she turns around and sells it, she's going to have capital gains on three hundred grand. Versus if you say, "Okay, Carlene's house is owned by Carlene, and now I'm going to put it into a revocable living trust, and my daughter's going to be the beneficiary of it," or I want to change it to a TOD. So it's Carlene's house slash TOD uh, uh, transfer on death form. Now, when you pass, 
she gets the house and it's valued at 500 today, she can sell it for 500 and pay zero tax because she gets a stepped up basis. But if you add her name as owner while you're alive, she assumes your original acquisition cost, cost basis. But if you pass the asset to her at, at when you pass and she's the beneficiary through TOD form or trust, then she gets a stepped up basis. That's the way it works. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Yep. And if you like, I'll I'll send you out info on all of that too. I'll put you on a quick hold, and if you want, uh, I will happy to send you out that info. So, give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three. Let's welcome Rhoda on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Rhoda. How are you today? Hi. Good morning. I'm sorry. It's Rhonda. Oh, Rhonda. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It it is Rhonda. I misread the screen. Sorry about that. That's okay. I think you just answered my question. Um, I have a teenager, she's 17, and I'm looking to determine whether or not it's best to go ahead and add her to the deed or the TOD that you were just talking about. Yes. I'm trying to so, give her the best benefit. <laughs> well, well, here's so so, and this conversation goes even further. Okay, so so the goal here, Rhonda, is is if something happens to you, you want your daughter to receive the home, right? Okay, and and again, putting her name on it, she'll receive it, but now you mess up a tax scenario for her. So by transferring it at your death through a TOD form or a trust, she receives the home, and she gets a stepped up in value. Now, what happens if you become incapacitated and can't make financial decisions and something needs to be made on your investment accounts or the home or something like that? So you can give her power of attorney so that she can act in your best interest and still receive the home with the stepped-up basis from a tax standpoint. Okay? So that's That's the next step involved in this. Now, for people that go out and and add somebody to the home, they say, I'm not going to deal with all that stuff. I'm just going to add their name to the home, and I don't really care about the taxes. Well, what happens if your daughter were to get in a car accident and a lawsuit were to happen and she's part owner of your home? That could oh. be a tax. Okay. Oh, oh, perfect example. Thank you. Yes. So so there's a lot involved in this conversation. And, and let me tell you this. The, the financial advisor really quarterbacks this whole thing and, and says, okay, now go talk to the CPA. Now go talk to the estate attorney. Now go, go to DMV and change the car, whatever it is that you need to do, okay? So, so, so that's pretty much what you needed to do. And, and what I would say, Rhonda, is just sort of on a piece of paper, list out all the assets that you own on one side and then list out the names of people or charities that you want to get them on the other side and start drawing lines across the page and, and making four or five little sentences on each one. That's the crux. That's the main focus of your overall estate plan. Then we take that to the estate attorney and say, hey, this is what we want to have done. But the first step is to look at how everything's titled in your accounts. Again, there's 12 different ways to title things, and depending on how you title them is going to depend on the taxation while you own it and when you pass it on. Okay? So, so those are the things. And I'll, I'll put you on a quick hold if you want, and I'll, I'll uh, get, get some information from you, and we'll send you out this, this kit in basics and estate planning that will sort of explain all this stuff to you. Okay? That's perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and the key reason I'm asking is I've had a couple friends who have passed away, and they're very young, between their 40s and early 50s. 
and um, they had not finished their will and their estate planning, and um, their family had to go through probate court, and it's just been a complete nightmare, and I don't want to do that to my daughter. Yes, it, it, is, it is tough. Um, you know, and just remember this. The court is there as a backstop. The, the court is the last resort for things that aren't in order. And it's probate, mm-hmm. it's the court's distribution process to settle it all out. Okay, that's what it is. But just by understanding, and and you know, most of this stuff is easy to do. It's just a, a, a an ink pen and some time. Change the form, name this person, switch the titling. Boom, 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 and it avoids all those problems down the road. Okay. That's speaking my kind of language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, it, people get very. You know, it's it's uh, it's intimidating to start thinking about it. It's not a happy subject to think about, and then you're bringing in the lawyers and all the legalese and all that kind of stuff. But you know, this this kit we send you out, we we make it very easy for our clients. We explain to them, list out all your assets, handwritten. I've got many clients right now that are in the process of doing that. They're writing down all their assets on the left side of the page, and they're writing down who they want to get what on the right side of the page. They're drawing little lines. And again, that's the majority of the estate plan. That's what we take to the attorney to draw up. Okay, so I'll send you out this kit, Rhonda. We'll have uh, Bob get your info, and we'll have someone follow up with you on it. So appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Let's bring Amy on from North Carolina. Good morning, Amy. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Larry? I'm doing well. How can I help you? Okay, so I am 61 years old, retired teacher. Uh, my husband is 60, and he's still going to be working for a couple of years. We've got um, between eight hundred and $900,000 in 401Ks, et cetera. Uh, we don't owe anything. We own our home. We own all of our vehicles. Um, we, have, it, we have about 100 Seventy-five, hundred eighty thousand dollars in cash, basically. I've got a, a an eighty thousand dollar Roth and um, a couple of other smaller things, I think. But I just I feel like about a hundred thousand dollars of that needs to be doing something more than sitting in a money market account. So that is my question. And my my husband's very conservative. He you know wants to put it in a CD or bonds or something that we're I just I don't know. So that is my question to you. So the way that I would attack that question, Amy, is, is is two things. One is is what's the rate you're getting on your money market account? Is my first question to you. Point eight five percent, I believe, on the majority of it, and then we just opened up this this new choice one that they had. I could only put fifteen thousand in because there was only uh, fifteen thousand dollars that would gain more than the point eight five, like the top five thousand. Okay. Okay, 5.something percent, et cetera, so it's not. Yep, and then the next question that I have for you goes to when you said we want to get some of this money growing for us, but my husband's very conservative, doesn't want to take risk. So the next question is what is your overall rate of return that you need to get in order to produce the standard of living you desire in retirement? And that's well, where a finan- actually, that's where a financial we, plan comes in play. Right. Right. So, so we, I have a, I have a pension right now, and and uh, you know, and then we'll have 
Social Security. We're actually not, um, we're going to be fine with with what we will be getting month to month and, and not, I don't believe we'll have to draw a whole lot from well, then that's the great. retirement then, account for a while. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous then. Then you don't need to take any unnecessary risk in the market, right? Okay. Because you're not you're not having to be dependent on stock market returns for your income to meet your standard of living. So now we've already sort of boiled that down to saying, okay, well, if we want to take some risk, that's up to you. But you not necessarily do you need to take too much risk based off of what you said. But here's the thing. You still want your money to outpace taxes and inflation over time, right? So, yep. so you're probably going to look at maybe in today's world, one of the things that I might suggest you think about is moving some of the bank money into uh, T-bills. You can buy a, a, a six-month government T-bill at you know almost 5.5% today. And the advantage there is the bank products, your CDs and money markets and things like that, when you put money in a bank CD, you have to pay state and federal income tax, whereas the government T-bill, you only pay federal income tax, no state taxes. And then, oh. and then the T-bill is completely liquid for you. Suppose you put money in a six-month T-bill, and in month four, you need to pull it out. There's no penalty. They just give you the interest up to the day you had it, and then you pull it out. Whereas in a bank CD for six months, if you pull the money out there, then you're going to pay a penalty if you pull it out in month four, right? So, so the government T-bill is going to give you a higher yield, better taxation, and liquidity versus a bank CD. So that would be one of the places I'd take a look at, at doing that. Next thing I want to do is take a look at what's inside your retirement accounts and make sure that there's not too much unnecessary risk inside there. So we do an analysis for you on your on your retirement plans, make sure things are where they need to be and that they are ready to deliver income. But ultimately, what's going to happen here is the conversation needs to be advanced to most likely, from what you're saying, Amy, a portion of your assets will go to your heirs because you, you're not in a position where you need to spend them all, right? So then right. do you want to start investing a portion of those assets for a longer range perspective for your heirs, your kids and your grandkids, okay? That's a whole different part of the conversation. So we've got multi-generational planning happening in your in your financial plan as well as making sure we have risk reduction and and tax efficiency and the deliverance of income from reliable sources. So if you like, Amy, I'll, I'll put you on hold, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and that will get you started on, on all of this conversation. We'll have one of our advisors give you a courtesy call and follow up with you on that. Would you like that? Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, let me put you on a quick hold, Amy. You have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Go give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's bring Janice on from Houston. Good morning, Janice. How are you today? I'm all right, Michelle. Thank you for asking. Yes, ma'am. How can I, I help you? question. My parents, my mom went first, then my dad went seven years ago, going on eight. And we almost, they have a home that me and a brother is living in. I have airship over the house. Me and him and another sister have airship over the house, which I had to go file at court. Um, we had one. 
getting some cell, cell phone oh. dust there from you there. Uh, can, can you get that, repeat that again? Just the last little part there. I, I told me. Mm-hmm. Once I went to go to a lawyer and they told me what to do to get airship over the house because they didn't leave a will, I called a meeting for everybody to come together at the house. Let's get our name on this paperwork. Uh, let's put the kids on here, the kids that we have, and they can have, you know, be able to live in a house once, God forbid, if we leave. So I, no one came. The other three that wanted to sell the house did not show up, but three of us, we did show up. So I said, the lawyer said, if they don't want to sign their names, get the ones that want to sign their names. So I did. I got me, my brother, and a sister to sign the airship papers. Go file it. I did. Uh, save the house from uh, no one was exempting my father when he was living down that house. So I went to the court, not the courthouse, but the tax thing, made some uh, payment arrangements and paid all his taxes off. So now me and my brother's paying taxes on the house now. So Janice, what's what's your question here? Okay, my question is that I tried to do a one of the sisters that does not live in the house, that does not have pay the taxes on the house but me and my brother. So I said, okay, I want to give a, a loan to do some work because you can tell the house is, you know, need some work. And the one that don't pay the taxes said, oh, no, you don't need to do that. You're going to lose the house. So I'm calling to find out what can I do in this situation. Janice, who owns the actual house? Me, my brother, and my sister. So you three control those decisions. Anybody else yeah. is just giving you your their opinion on things. That's the yeah. answer to the question, okay? Mm-hmm. So whatever you and your two co-owners want to do with the house is up to y'all since you three are the legal owners of that house. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's my understanding of it. But sounds like to me that I would, I would uh, sit back down with your family and try and smooth things out on it. Okay. Okay. Yep, that's can you send me anything on this subject? I can. I can send you some stuff on basics of estate planning and and uh, titling of assets and stuff like that. And then, but more importantly, we can have one of our advisors follow up with you on a phone call and take a deeper dive into the whole scenario for you. Okay. And, okay. And, I appreciate and that. that. Yep. Absolutely, Janice. Let me place you on a quick hold. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's bring Jesse on from Maryland. Good morning, Jesse. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Larry? I'm doing well. How can I help you? All right. Yes, sir. So I've been listening to you for quite a while, and I've got some uh, questions and interests in uh, about what you can do as far as helping me get some uh, plans together moving forward. I've got some money in a 401k and a, a Roth. So Jesse, let me tell you this. Let me let me jump in real quick. I've got 34 seconds left in the air time here, so I'm going to place you on hold and I'll pick up with you in about 30 seconds. Okay? Let me just. I need to close out the show, so let me uh, place you on a quick hold here. Uh, I'll pick him back up here in just a second. Hey, well, that's another session of Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Don't forget to check out my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our webinars September 20th on unnecessary taxes that can erode your state. So for Bob and Chris in the back, 
I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.